So this morning we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. This is week four. And if you missed the previous three sermons, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to them because each one builds on the other. And two weeks ago, Lydia talked about who the Holy Spirit is. And last week, Vern talked about what he does. And today I get the privilege of talking to you about what he gives. And here's what's interesting. The Holy Spirit himself is a gift to us. And then on top of that, he is the gift that keeps on giving. He gives us more gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, which we're going to unpack this morning. I, I never get tired of talking about the Holy Spirit. I just think it is one of the most exciting things in the world. And so when, to me, when people say, I think the Christian life is boring, I think to myself, I think you just maybe don't know yet about the potential of the Holy Spirit inside of you and what that can look like as you learn to partner with him and allow him to empower you. I, I mean, I just think the Holy Spirit's flat out fun. And, and I would just compare it maybe to, and this is a really weak comparison, but maybe to like a bag of M&Ms. Like, do you ever just eat one Have you ever just eaten one? No, in fact, you usually start with a handful and and then you're just like, I just think I need a little more and a little more. And I can't tell you how many bags of M&Ms I've bought intending to bake cookies and it never happened because the M&Ms just got eaten and I feel like it's a little bit that way with the Holy Spirit. It's not like when I I have an experience with him, I think, you know what, I'm I'm good now. I'm just going to sit back for the next five years. It's like, no, I want more. And so we're going to talk about that today. I grew up in uh, the Mennonite tradition, and I'm really grateful for the heritage, the things that I was taught there. And one of the things that I feel so grateful for was within our little hometown congregation, we had several believers that were spirit-filled. And even as a child, I was drawn to them like a moth to the light because there was something different they prayed differently, they sang differently, they, they acted differently. And, and one in particular, uh, she was a young adult at the time, and she took me under her wing because she recognized a hunger in me. And, and it was actually with her one time when I was 15 years old that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so don't underestimate your ability to impact other people around you for the sake of the kingdom. So I've entitled this message, Unwrapping the Gifts, because it's, it's one of those topics that needs to be unpacked a little bit. And so I've broken my message into four sections for you. We're gonna talk about the definition, the difficulties, the details, and the discovery. So track with me as we go through these sections. And first of all is the definition. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know, I just, I honestly don't really know what you mean by spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are supernatural. They're not natural. They're supernatural abilities given to all Christians to impact the church and the world. And and here's an important thing to remember. Spiritual gifts are given to us by God for others. And it's important to understand that flow. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6 says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And so to help you understand that a little bit, you know, I I raised two little girls. They're both uh, young adults now, but sometimes I would buy them gifts. And so maybe I would buy them matching pajamas, but one would be pink and the other would be purple. 
Or sometimes I would give them a list of chores to do around the house. And I would say to one of them, you need to unload the dishwasher, and the other one, you need to take out the trash. It was the same mom, but I was distributing different gifts and different responsibilities to my children. And it's very much the same when we're talking about our Heavenly Father. Romans 1, 11 to 12, Paul says this to the church at Rome. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I'm not saying you're not allowed to enjoy using your spiritual gift. You should, and you will. You will for sure. But the idea is that we use the gifts we've been given to touch and bless and work and move in the lives of other people. It's kind of like this. I saw a meme this week on Facebook, and um, I said this first service. It was probably Garrison Whitmire, but I don't know for sure. I'll have to scroll back and look. But, you know, Ikea is famous for having uh, products that are difficult to assemble and put together, right? And so it was this picture of, of a box that contained all the pieces for an end table. And the person simply used the box as an end table beside the bed. And I think sometimes we have done this with the Holy Spirit. We're like, I don't know what to do. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I'm scared to unpack it. I'm just going to let him in the box. But you, you are missing out, which leads to my next point. You should want the gifts of the Spirit. You should want them. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And, and I think some of you need to hear this. You're, you shouldn't just want the gifts of the Spirit. You're allowed to want the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. It doesn't make you proud or arrogant. You're just one of his kids. And so you're allowed to want the gifts that the Holy Spirit, through God's empowerment, gives us. And I think sometimes we don't unpack the box um, because we, we prefer a life that is nice and neat and tidy. And once you unopen the box of the Holy Spirit in your life, things can get a little messy, and I don't necessarily mean bad messy. I'm just thinking, look at Jesus and the apostles when they walked on the face of the earth. They did not live nice, neat little lives, did they? But what was Jesus out there doing? He was healing the sick, raising people from the dead, turning water into wine, feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. I, I want that. I want in on that if that's available to me. And according to scripture, it is. And so... You, we, we can't just base our beliefs about spiritual gifts on our experiences. Because first of all, we're, we call this, I'm calling this unwrapping the gifts because it takes a little time to unpack it, to understand it, to learn how to operate in the gifts you've been given. Um, and, and I think, think about it like this. When someone recommends a restaurant, they say, I just tried this new place. There was this amazing dish on the menu. I don't know about you, but I tend to believe them. And my thought is, I want to check it out. So we went to Georgia for vacation as a family a couple of years ago, and we were talking with Hannah's doctor, and he said, I've been there, I've been to that island, there's this little place you gotta go to, it's called Southern Hole, it's a, I'm sorry, Southern Soul, and he's like, it's a little, it's kind of like a little hole in the wall, but like the food is fantastic. So we did not ignore him, we're like, we think he knows something and we want in on it. So what did we do when we went down to Georgia? Oh, we checked out Southern Soul. And I'm not kidding you. It was everything he cracked it up to be. And in fact, later we saw the same restaurant on HGT uh, Food Network's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. So even Guy Fieri says yeah. it's a good place to eat. So 
I think it's important that we, we align our theology according to scripture, but then we ask the Lord, make my reality line up with my theology. I wanna live out the things that I say I believe. Now, spiritual gifts are different from natural talents. A natural talent could be something that you inherit. Sometimes there will be a strong musical strain in a family, and they just seem particularly gifted musically. Or a natural talent could be something that you have learned, either through training or through environment. So maybe your family is just known to be good cooks because great-grandma was a good cook and she's passed that down through the generations. Now, here's the thing. Spiritual gifts are a supernatural empowerment, but they partner together. Your natural talent can be the vehicle through which God uses your spiritual gift. So let's take three people who are good cooks. That's a natural talent, right? But it's gonna look different according to the gift God's given you. So somebody with the gift of evangelism who likes to cook might volunteer in a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter. And somebody with the gift of hospitality who's a good cook is gonna invite you over to their home for dinner. And somebody with the gift of service who likes to cook is gonna bring you a meal when you get out of the hospital. So we've got a natural talent being used supernaturally in a whole bunch of different ways according to how God has distributed our gifts. And the last point under this, this section is this. Spiritual gifts are different from the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit, Vern referenced this last week, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are ours, every single one of them. You get every single one of them just by abiding in Christ and letting him live inside of you. They are yours as well. But I would say it like this. I would say the fruit of the Spirit is kind of the attitudes, and then the gifts of the Spirit are the actions. And, and you don't have to pick. You get them both. And, and so I want you to think about when you were in like high school science class and you were doing an experiment, you've got these two chemicals that were just sitting there chilling, doing nothing. But when you put them together in the test tube, they exploded. And that's when things got really fun. And I think, I think that's what God wants to do. He wants you to take the fruit of the spirit and the spiritual gifts and put them in the test tube and see what happens. Let's see the church explode as God comes to life in these ways. Now, all right, I, I would be remiss if I didn't take a minute to talk about some of the difficulties of walking in the spirit. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, why should there be any, dif any difficulties associated with this? And my question to you is, why would there not be? Because these spiritual gifts have been given to us to impact the world and impact the church for the sake of eternity. And so, of course, the enemy is going to oppose that. Of course he is not going to be happy about it if you identify your gifts and you begin to walk in them. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11 says this, For we are not unaware of his schemes. I don't want to be unaware of what the enemy might be up to. And so he's constantly going to try and derail us. And so I'm just going to share with you a couple of things to be on the lookout for. And I don't say this in any way to, to scare you from wanting to pursue your spiritual gifts, but I'm just saying if someone had told me about this, I would have handled some situations differently. If I had recognized what was going on, I would have prayed differently. I would have related to people differently. And so I just wanna share a couple of things the enemy might try to do to make it difficult for you to use your spiritual gifts. And the first one is this, we can walk in ignorance. 
1 Corinthians 12, 1 says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. And we tend to use the word ignorant in a derogatory way, but it's not necessarily uh, used that way in all contexts. Quite frankly, being ignorant of your spiritual gifts might just mean you don't know because nobody's ever explained it to you before. You've never read anything about this before and there's no shame in that. And so my hope today is if that's you and you're just ignorant because you don't know, I hope that this will spur something up in your spirit to, to seek it out and to find out more about it. We can also walk in ignorance in terms of ignoring. Just like I don't know what to do with this Ikea box, so I'm just gonna stick it here. We can do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We can just ignore what he's given us. Second thing is this, sometimes we walk in fear. And sometimes fear comes from things we don't understand. So I'm 51, I did not grow up with technology. Now I can help myself, but I'm not super brave. And so I told my girls they need to marry people with the gift of technology. And thankfully daughter number one has done so. And so I'm constantly on the phone like, Dusty, can you come over and help me? And, and he does because I find technology a little bit scary because I don't know what I'm doing. But fear can also come because you've had negative experiences. Maybe other people have used their spiritual gifts in such a way that it felt hurtful or awkward or painful for you. And here's what I would say to that. I've had some really bad waitresses, but it doesn't mean I never went out to eat again. And I went on some really bad dates. I went on some really boring dates. But it didn't mean I never dated again. Because look what I would have missed out on, yeah. okay? All right. <laughs> so, here's the thing. Your bad experiences could come from a, different, a couple of different reasons. It really could be that the person who was ministering to you through their spiritual gift lacked some level of, of maturity or character and you got hurt by that. That is true, that is valid. That's happened to me. But it's also possible that the other person is just learning. And maybe they're practicing using their gift and maybe they're not always getting it quite right. So could we give each other the benefit of the doubt? And could we say, you know what? Let's just all work at getting better at exercising our spiritual gifts for the sake of the other person. Don't let the misunderstood or the misused call, cause you to miss out on what God might want to do. Another one is this. We can walk in comparison. How do my spiritual gifts stack up to the next person? And this can look two different ways. It can look like jealousy and it can look like pride. And I have walked in both and I have been the recipient of both. And none of it feels very good. And none of it looks real good to the Lord either when he sees it happening. So jealousy is the idea that somebody else's gift is more important than mine or that maybe they seem to have more gifts than I do. And you know, this, this will tear relationships apart. I have a friendship that back when I was in my 30s, it was absolutely just got severed um, because of this. And, and we couldn't find our way around it. And, we, and the friendship ended. But it, it can also happen through pride, through thinking that my spiritual gift is superior to yours in some way. And here's what I would say to that. Your primary ministry should be through your spiritual gifts, but your secondary ministry should be where there is a need. 
All right, you catch that? So for instance, let me just brag on our Pastor Jimmy's wife, Lydia. She's a wonderfully gifted speaker and teacher. She does amazing things working in our church office. But Wednesday night, we had our core discipleship intensive graduation. And do you know what she was doing that night? At five o'clock, I found her in the back hall sweeping. And at 10 o'clock, she was in the kitchen doing dishes. She was ministering where there was a need, even though those were not her primary gifts. And so we need to be aware of both. And the last point under difficulties is this. We can walk in conflict with other people. This tags on to the last one, but I think what happens is we feel threatened by other people with the same gift, and we feel frustrated with people that have different gifts. People that have the same gifts make us feel like we are competing for attention, for opportunities, or for validation. But people with different gifts, we just don't get them. We just don't understand what they're doing. So I want you to picture for a minute a person with the gift of administration and a person with the gift of, of uh, mercy or, or service. Let's say service, okay? The person with the administrative gift could be looking at the service person and saying, why aren't you doing anything? But the service or mercy person might look at the administrative person and say, why don't you care? The truth is we need them both because the administrative person is the one behind the scenes. They're the ones that are uh, making sure the meal train is set up and they're making sure that the pastors know you're in the hospital and that somebody's coming to see you and they make sure you get flowers and a card. But then the service or the mercy person is gonna bring you a meal or come sit beside you in the hospital. They're both doing their job and quite frankly, we need both of them to do their job. So we need to make sure we are not in competition and conflict with one another when we're exercising our gifts. Now, let's jump into the details of spiritual gifts. There are several passages in the Bible that talk about this. We're gonna, we're gonna focus on two of them today. And so we're gonna start off in Romans 12, verses six to eight, if you can follow along with me on the screen. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. These are often referred to as the motivation gifts. They shape our perspective and they motivate us to service in the body of Christ and in the world. And so I wanna go through this list and make sure you understand what each of them are. The first one listed is this, the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is simply speaking boldly what God has put on your heart. And I've been the recipient of prophetic words from other people that have absolutely changed my life because they said something that I didn't see or know or feel about myself. And they were able to speak a word that God gave them for me and it changed my life. Now, if you have the gift of prophecy, you really need to make sure that you are connected to the heart of the Father because you wanna represent him accurately. But the gift of prophecy is desirable for all of us. The second gift is this, the gift of serving. We cannot underestimate the value of someone with the gift of service. Uh, these are the people that do all those wonderful behind the scenes things that maybe nobody knows are happening. But last year was kind of rough for me. I was in the hospital in January with a heart issue. I had a concussion in July and then I had surgery in October. And you know who got me through last year? 
It was the people with the gift of service because they brought meals and they cleaned my house and they ministered to me in all the practical ways doing the things I could not do for myself. Once you've been on the receiving end of someone with the gift of service, you never underestimate its value again. Third gift is teaching. This is the ability and the desire to explain things in a way that others can understand and relate to. And when, when I do a spiritual gift survey, and we'll talk about that in a minute, um, this always comes up as one of my top gifts. I love to teach, and it's, it's like this. If you would see my computer, and if you would see my desk and the folders in there, I have got so many notes of things that the Lord showed me, scriptures that became real to me, um, stories that come to mind, and I'm always thinking to myself, oh, that would be a good blog. Oh, I could turn that into a book. Oh, maybe I could work that into a sermon. And I'm constantly thinking, how can I impart this to other people? So I keep track of all those things so that I have them and I am able to teach them. The next gift is the gift of encouragement. And this is one I personally feel really passionately about. The very first time I did a spiritual gift survey, this came up as my number one gift and it has the entire rest of my adult life. And I didn't recognize that in myself at first, but the way, the way God has used it in my life is through words spoken and written. I, I want every encounter someone has with me to impart hope and life. That's what I want. I, I want somebody to read my blogs and say, she gets it, I'm not alone, I'm not the only one. That's, that's the goal of encouragement for me. And um, I love the book Charlotte's Web, read it to my kids quite a bit when they were little. And I always love the last line where it says this, it's not often that someone comes along who is a true friend and a good writer. Charlotte was both. And I joke that I would like this on my tombstone. It is not often that someone comes along that's a true friend and a good writer. Renee was both. I want people, when I am no longer on this earth, to feel like I imparted hope and encouragement into their lives. The next gift is giving. And you know, we're all called to give, we're all called to partner with our local church, but some people have an extra measure of desire and passion for giving monetarily um, to the body of Christ, to missions, you know, whatever that might look like. My son-in-law has this gift, and the first time I noticed it was actually before he started dating our daughter. I was chaperoning a mission trip of seniors, high school seniors, and he gave me a very generous check as just a young, single adult um, to help fund that trip for me, and it was, it was almost the exact amount that I still needed in order to be able to go on that trip. Um, now, I like to joke that maybe he had ulterior motives at the time because he clearly had his eye on our daughter at the time. But I have watched him be consistent in this. It brings him a lot of joy. And so that is a spiritual gift I see in him. The next one is leadership. And I'm telling you, if you have the gift of leadership in this room, we have never needed you more. Because we have seen a lot, and I'm, not, I'm talking about the church, the world, uh, government, like across the board, we have seen a lot of weak leadership, we've seen poor leadership, and we've seen corrupt leadership. And so if you are sitting out there as an empowered person in the body of Christ to lead well, I say rise up and do it because we need strong leaders. 
The next gift is, is mercy. And this is showing kindness and compassion. This is the person that comes and sits with you in the hospital while your spouse is having surgery. When my dad had open heart surgery, we had someone come and sit with us. And I admit, at first I thought, well, this feels a little private and intrusive. I kind of wish she wasn't here. But she was amazing. She knew when to speak and when to be quiet. She made sure we ate lunch. And she was just a, a quiet presence of mercy that day. And we were so grateful for her. Here's the thing. If everyone used their spiritual gift, all the needs would get met. It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he began imparting various gifts to various people. And so it's time that we stop comparing ourselves to other people and we rise up and use the gift that God has given us. It would not work if we all had the same gift, guys. There would be a lot of needs slipping through the cracks because there was nobody to meet them. Let's jump from there into our second scripture for the day. And this is 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. There's a little bit of overlap with this list of gifts, but it's listing some new ones that I want to make sure you're aware of. It says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the spirit, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. These are often called the manifestation gifts. They are how God works through us in a supernatural way uh, that makes it clear and obvious to those that are around us. And so let's go through this list, make sure we understand what each of these, these are. And the first one is wisdom. This is knowing how to do something or handle something, having real discernment about a particular situation. And some of you out there in the audience and online, you have the gift of wisdom and you don't even recognize that it's special. But it's like when you say something, like you, you hear yourself give a word of advice, or maybe you're in a business meeting and you have like a solution to something that's been frustrating everyone. And you think to yourself, where did that come from? Like, I was not smart enough to make that up. Well, because you didn't, because it was the Holy Spirit who was dropping a word of wisdom into you at that particular moment. We need you wisdom people to be leading life groups and to, to be mentoring other people. You are valuable in the body of Christ. The next is, is a, a word of knowledge, the gift of knowledge. And this is a little different than wisdom. This is a deep inner knowing of something you could not know outside of a revelation of the Holy Spirit. So I've had times when I'm talking to somebody and I would just feel like the Lord say to me, their marriage is struggling or they're dealing with depression, and they didn't say a word to me about it. It's just something I couldn't know unless the Holy Spirit told me. And my job then is not to be critical. My job is to take what the Spirit's revealed to me and use that to pray for the person, and also to be able to minister appropriately to them in their time of need. 
Sometimes a word of knowledge can even manifest physically. Gary had an incident like this where he had extreme pain in his knee. He was, he was pulling up to a lumber yard to pick up some material, and he had a pain in his knee. He had no injury, no, no knee issues whatsoever, and he started to get suspicious that it was a word of knowledge from the Lord. Some, somebody here at the lumber yard um, is having knee pain. And so sure enough, when he went out into the actual lumberyards for the guys to load up his truck, he said to the guy, do you happen to have pain in your knee? And the guy just about fell over because he was like, how could you know that? How could you know that? Well, it was because the Lord revealed it to Gary and he was able to pray for him in that moment. And he saw improvement in his knee right there on the spot. Another gift is the gift of faith. And faith is, and we are all called to be people of faith, but some people just seem to have that extra measure of believing that God can do what he wants to do, that he will do what he wants to do, and there's just not a doubt in your mind. We used to be in in a life group with a man named Ivan Martin, and he had the gift of faith. And I'm telling you, when I was with him, I just came home pumped up. I'm like, anything's possible. Because Ivan said it, because God said it through (laughs) Ivan, you know? And he just, he had that gift and it was, it was, I'm telling you, it was contagious, absolutely contagious. Uh, The next one is the gift of healing. This is where we pray for people. Maybe we lay hands on them and they see miraculous healing. And some of you in this room have this gift. We need you to not be scared to use it because there are a lot of people that need to be healed. A lot of people that need to be healed. And, you know, we've had some amazing healing stories. Victoria Buckwalter just graduated from CORE on Wednesday night, and she shared an amazing story of how she was healed right here in this room of something that she was diagnosed with as a six-year-old child, and it is gone. It is gone, all right? Now, I don't want that to just be like a one-shot wonder, I want to see that on a regular basis every time we meet in this building, in this room, in our life groups, youth group, young adult group, I don't care where it is, go to Walmart and heal people. But it, it needs, we have, those of you that have this gift, man, we gotta get out there and use it. It, it is important. Uh, the next gift kind of segues off of that and it's miracles. And we often associate healing with miracles and for sure there's a connection there. But miracles are supernatural things, things that could not happen any other way. And so it might manifest in provision, supernatural provision, or supernatural protection. And, and, and if you want to read about miracles, go back and read the Gospels and read the book of Acts and see what Jesus and the apostles were doing, the kinds of miracles they were performing. It was, it was astonishing. And I long for the day that it becomes completely normal to us. The next one is distinguishing of spirits. This is perceiving what spirit might be at work in a room, in a business, in a place, in a conversation where these people are able to detect, you know, I think, there is, I think there's a demonic presence going on here. Or they sense the presence of angels. They sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. Some people have this gift. And what a gift it is because then they know how to pray. I mean, if there's a demonic presence and they sense it, now they know how to pray and they can go after that thing and command it to be gone in the name of Jesus. The next one is speaking in tongues. And Jimmy's gonna be preaching specifically about this gift next week. So I won't spend a lot of time on it. But, but it's one that causes, for whatever reason, a lot of controversy. Because either people are completely freaked out by people that speak in tongues 
Or people look at it as like the, the most elite of the spiritual gifts. And the fact is, it's just on the list like the rest of them. It really is. It's not better, it's not worse. It's just another thing that God imparts to his people. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, why? What's, what's the point of speaking in tongues? And I'll just tell you, from my perspective, it has been a huge gift to me. Because there are times when I go to pray for a person or a situation and I think to myself, I have absolutely no idea what to say. I am out of words in English. I, I couldn't even begin to know how to pray about this. It's so far beyond me. And I say, Lord, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pray in tongues right now and I'm just gonna trust that you're gonna, you're gonna tell me what to say and you're gonna just pray it through me. And it, it's a gift because suddenly I, it relieves me of worry. It relieves me of trying to figure out what are just the right words to, to, to say to the Lord on behalf of this person or this situation. Um, it was meant to bring us freedom. And, and quite frankly, there are times I don't quite trust myself to pray because I know I have an agenda. And so it would be pretty easy for me to pray what I want the Lord to do rather than what he wants to do in a situation. So again, praying in tongues gives me a lot of freedom. There's times I say to the Lord, I don't trust myself right now, but I trust you. And so I'm just gonna pray in tongues and trust that you are speaking through me. The last one is connected to that. It's interpretation of tongues. Some people have the ability to hear what somebody is, is praying in a language they don't know, and they can interpret it. I've only seen this a couple of times in my life, to be honest, and I, I, I hope that we are going to see more of this in the church in the days to come, but some people absolutely have that gift. Now, here's what I want to challenge you with. These are amazing supernatural gifts here in 1 Corinthians 12. In your Bible, what comes right after 1 Corinthians 12? 1 Corinthians 13. And what do we know 1 Corinthians 13 to be? It is the love chapter. Now, when this, when this letter was originally written, remember, there were no chapter and verse markings. It was just one big, long writing. And I'm telling you, it is not coincidence that Paul went from writing about the spiritual gifts to writing about the need for love. Because we jump to like verse five, where it says, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast. And we skip over the beginning there, but it's so important because it, it tags onto what we just talked about with the spiritual gifts. Because Paul says, listen, if you speak in tongues, but you don't love people, it means absolutely nothing. If you have the gift of prophecy, but you're not operating in a spirit of love, it means absolutely nothing. And so it is his word to us to make sure, yes, ask for the, ask for the gifts, use your gifts, but make sure that you're operating always from a place of love for other people. And what comes after 1 Corinthians 13 is circling back to the verse I read at the beginning, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, where it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So walk in love as you are desiring to grow in the spiritual gifts. It's a package deal. So what about the discovery? How do you know? How do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Well, I wanna throw out a couple of things for you to ponder and think about. Um, and, and the first one is this. It's going to sound really cliche, but spend time with the Lord and read your Bible. Because that's where, first of all, the gifts come from him. And secondly, he explains them in the word of God. So this is really the primary place you should start. And as I said before, read in the New Testament about how the spiritual gifts were manifested. Because that is available to us today. 
Secondly, ask God to reveal to you what your gifts are. Ask him. It's totally okay to ask him. And, and I think sometimes, you know, I think, I think sometimes God gives us revelation to, uh, as we have like an aha moment, I'll call it, where you're doing something and you think, I think I was born to do this. I think I was born to do this. I thought about the movie Chariots of Fire where Eric Liddell says, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. When do you feel the pleasure of God? Would you say when I'm rocking babies to sleep in the nursery, I feel the pleasure of God? When I'm greeting out here at the front door and I'm hugging people and smiling at them, I feel the pleasure of God. When I'm up here on the worship team and I'm helping to lead other people before the throne of God, that's when I feel the pleasure of God. So look for those little hints in your own life and in your own experience. Another way is this. Listen to what other people say about you or to you. Because sometimes other people have a better understanding of who we are than we do. And they might recognize something that we just don't see in ourselves. And along with that, it could be that there's a pattern that you keep getting asked to do the same kinds of things. Well, what if that's not a coincidence? What if everybody sees that particular gift in you and so they're all asking you, they're calling you to rise up and use that thing. Look for patterns in your life. What do you get asked to do? What do people say to you and about you? And then a last option is to take an online survey. Now, we don't put the same weight on an online survey that we would put on the Word of God, but it is so helpful in defining who we are in Christ and who He's created us to be. If you've taken our discovery pathway here at church, you've already done this. And I hope that that was helpful for you. For those of you that have not taken it yet, I encourage you to sign up because it will give you a lot of revelation about how God has designed you to function in the body of Christ. And you know, if, if, you're, if you're not taking Discovery Pathway or you're just visiting us, you're not even from the area, there are lots of free surveys online where you can take a survey, see what your spiritual gifts are, and then discuss it with somebody else and see what they think. I, I'd encourage you to get on your feet at this point. Some of you are saying, you're sitting there saying, Okay, you've kind of piqued my curiosity. I'm a little freaked out, but I'm, I'm curious. How do I get in on this? Well, first of all, it is available to every single person in this room, every single person online. So no one's excluded from the invitation. But here's what I would say. The gifts of the Spirit are wonderful and exciting, but you know what the greatest gift is that God gave us? That's eternal life eternal life. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we all deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a gift. You actually can't earn eternal life. It is a gift given to you. And, and I think there are those of you in this room that that's where you need to start today. You need to make that first decision to receive the gift of eternal life. So I would, I would ask you to, to close your eyes and bow your head. I just want you to think about that for a minute. And if you have never asked God for the gift of salvation, we want to pray with you today and see that become a reality in your life. And so I would ask you just Raise your hand so we can see you, simply so we can pray with you and rejoice over you. I'm not gonna call any attention to you. 
Just raise your hand if you're saying, I want the free gift of eternal life. This is a starting point in your journey with Jesus. And now I think there's some of you in the room that are saying, I have received the gift of eternal life, but I want to see the gifts of the Spirit activated in my life. I want to know who I was created to be, and I want to begin to minister to other people out of those gifts. If that's you today, and you're just like, I just, I just want a greater measure of the Holy Spirit in my heart, I'll just ask you to raise your hand, and we're just all going to pray together. That's right. We should always be wanting more of this. Always, always, always. I could pray this every single day and it wouldn't be enough. All right, thanks. You may put your hands down and I just ask you to repeat after me as we pray together. Lord, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess my sin and I receive your forgiveness. I invite you into my life and into my heart. I wanna do things your way and not my own. I receive the gift of salvation and the gift of your Holy Spirit by faith. I wanna walk in the supernatural power that is available to me as your child. I wanna impact lives for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.